This week on Geek Explained, our Geektober finale features a Halloween tradition on the podcast, a live film commentary. And this year, we're watching an underrated gem from 2005, The Batman vs. Dracula. Welcome back to Geek Explained. I'm your host, Eric Azana, and happy Halloween! Happy early Halloween, I guess. <laughs> this is the final installment of our Geektober series, wherein every week of October, we celebrate the spooky season by diving into a different form of media. Our first week was comic books with American Vampire. Our second week was animation, diving into the world of Over the Garden Wall. And last week, we went into space with video games and dead space. This week we're tackling movies. Specifically, we're doing what is pretty much a geek-explained Halloween tradition at this point, a live film commentary on the amazing Batman vs. Dracula film. Uh, so, since this is going to be one of our longer episodes, giant-sized rules are in effect. We'll be going from news to weekly review to uh, comics countdown, and then into the uh, live commentary to finish us out. Uh, I'm really excited about this. It's been a while since I've watched this film, and I can't wait to dive back into it and share it all with you. Uh, we are releasing this a little bit early, so this is like your your Halloween week uh, to celebrate this uh, this really odd Halloween season. You know, it's weird with quarantine and everything going on, but um, here on Geek Explained with our Geektober series, I hope we've been able to bring a little bit of uh, horror-inspired cheer to your weekly listening experience. And as I mentioned earlier, alongside our live film commentary we have the second wildcard weekly review before we dive into season two of the mandalorian and it's a show that i've been really looking forward to people have been trying to get me to watch it for a little while now and i finally got the opportunity to so i will be doing our wildcard weekly review on the pilot episode of utopia and of course rounding out the whole bunch we have this week's comics countdown but before we get into all of that let's check in with this week's news All right, guys and dolls, let's talk some news. Uh, first off, before we get into it, uh, my allergies have been crazy this week, so if I sound stuffy or anything at all, please bear with me. Um, it has been a wild ride here in Los Angeles. Weather is all over the place, and uh, allergies are just wreaking havoc on everybody. So uh, just be aware. I may not sound 100% here, but uh, everything is A-OK, -okay except for... Uh, runny nose and 
lots of sneezing. So just uh, bear with me. I appreciate it. Uh, we've got our four categories, film, TV, comics, and miscellaneous. We're going to dive right into it with the comics news, one piece of comics news this week. Uh, we reported earlier, I guess we reported like we're some kind of official news outlet, um, that Lanil Francis Yu had left the X-Men book with issue 12. And now we know that, or we might have a lead on who is going to be taking his spot as the main artist for the book. Uh, Brett Booth announced that he will be joining the X-Men book with issue number 17. Uh, we don't know how long his stint is going to be on the book, but I think that's exciting. He hasn't uh, drawn X-Men in an official capacity in a while, so I think that should be really cool. Um He's a good artist. He's a good artist who uh, has mainly, at least f for the last like decade or so, made his home with DC Comics. So it's always fun to see uh, artists like that jump uh, jump ships, so to speak. Like when uh, Pat Gleason went over to Marvel, David Marquez went to DC, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I'm really excited for that. I'm uh, moving on to miscellaneous news. Two pieces of video game news here. Uh, Miles Morales, Spider-Man Miles Morales, uh, is coming up real quick, and uh, we got some looks. We got a bunch of looks at uh, different stuff, gameplay footage, which I will not watch because I want to go in as blind as possible. Uh, but I did check out all of the uh, suits that have been teased in this game uh so far we know that he is getting insomniac's version of his classic suit as well as a hoodie suit that gives him uh or that uh adds on a spider cat which i'm really excited about and then we got the track suit which is a pre-order bonus uh it's basically like a uh white version of his normal suit definitely taking some inspiration from the advanced suit from the first game but I think it looks great. We don't know what the second costume is going to be. I'm assuming it's the Spider-Verse suit, but we don't really have any kind of like official confirmation on that. We do know that there is a version of his hoodie look from the film where he's got uh, the hoodie, the jacket, the shorts, and the sneakers uh, from Spider-Verse, which is pretty cool. They did their little edits in here and there, but um, I think that's awesome. Um, but we do know that there's another hooded costume that he's got. I think it's like the Crimson Cowl or something like that, where it kind of looks like if you took Miles's costume, smashed it together with Kane's uh, Scarlet Spider costume and gave it like a little Assassin's Creed hood, looked pretty cool. I really dig it. I think it's really cool. I'm honestly uh, really excited for the alternative costumes for this. Uh, Spider-Man specifically had a bunch of unlockable costumes that were all from all over his history and even though miles has a considerably shorter history than peter does uh hopefully that means that they're going to be able to riff a little bit more on the suits that he can uh acquire so that I'm pretty excited about that. I'm just excited about this game in general. Uh, some less exciting video game news, though, is that Cyberpunk has received yet another delay. Um, I think this is like the, their like third or fourth delay at this point. Uh, they've delayed their uh, release to December 10th. So it's not, you know, out of the year, but... I think it's something like 20 days or so past what it was supposed to be. Um... Be patient with them. They're trying to make this as good as possible. Uh, they said in a statement that they're trying to make it, you know, a great gaming experience for both current and next-gen consoles. So give them a little benefit of the doubt. 
I will definitely be looking forward to this game whenever it does end up coming out. I'm uh, moving on to film news. I am really excited about two pieces of this film news and kind of meh on one of these other pieces of news. So I'll start off with the uh, the meh one, which is uh, Deathstroke and Joker are coming to the Snyder Cut. Joe Manganiello and Jared Leto, respectively, are going to be reprising their roles. Cool. Sure. Um, I don't really f- have a feeling either way about it. I don't like... I don't, I feel like it's mean to say I don't care, but it's like at this point, I think we can all agree that this just is going to be a completely different story from what Zack Snyder had originally envisioned in 2016 for it. Um, because Zack Snyder has the gift of hindsight now. He can look back on what worked or the you know common complaints with uh, Whedon's cut of Justice League. And now that he's been given free reign to film new stuff, has expanded it to like four hours. I'm It's, it's a totally new story, which is fine. It's in his own corner of the DCU. Go, Zack Snyder. Good for him. Good for his fans. Um, But I don't really see what Deathstroke and Joker can bring to the story. I'm assuming it's just for kind of padding out the time since they got to fill four hours, but... Who knows? I could be wrong. It could be it could be cool, but I'm I don't have high hopes for them. Now, two pieces of news I do have high hopes for is first off, Suicide Squad. Uh, we got a new two brand new covers for Empire featuring the cast. I'm really excited about this. I'm l- been looking forward to this film and every single new thing I see about it, I get more excited. Um, also, James Gunn has been very active on Twitter talking about the film, uh, dropping hints that it's possible that only two of the members of the Suicide Squad that are on the cover survive. Uh, I am putting it down right now. It's going to be Harley Quinn and, uh, let's see, Harley Quinn and Captain Boomerang. Has to be Captain Boomerang, the best Suicide Squatter. Uh, you can fight me all day and I will win with my boomerangs. Uh, (laughs) Captain Boomerang forever Um, I'm really excited about this though the film looks great and I can't wait to see it and then finally we got a trailer for Raya and the Last Dragon I loved it I thought it was amazing I can't wait to see this film it's so I'm so excited about this this looks great Um, also Wait, that was my phone. Uh, Also, if you haven't watched uh, Over the Moon on Netflix do it do it do it now do it just drop what you're doing. I mean, keep listening to this, obviously. But go watch Over the Moon on Netflix. It's incredible. And this looks amazing. I can't wait to see more about this. Really, really excited. And then finally, TV news. TV, lots of big TV news this week. I was kind of blown away with how much TV news we're getting out of this. Uh, first off, we got two first looks at both uh, Javisha Leslie as Batwoman in her own Batwoman costume. Uh, we we saw like different like screen grabs from like a screen test and then some behind the scenes photos of her wearing Ruby Rose's bat suit and it didn't look great. It didn't fit her well and I you know I said on the podcast I was like we we've got to get her her own bat suit and lo and behold we got her a killer looking bat suit. Uh, she looks great. There's little tweaks here and there. My favorite being the cape. Uh, Instead of like the all red cape, it's like a black cape at the top that slowly like, uh, I don't know, progresses into like that scarlet red at the bottom. That looks so, so cool. It kind of reminds me of the the Arsenal costume from Arrow. I really, I still dig that costume. I think it's one of the best design in the entire Arrowverse. But I think this looks great. I'm really excited about it. I also... I am tentatively excited for this Red Hood look. Uh, Titans, which is currently filming its third season, um, just kind of dropped the uh, 
reveal of Curran Walters as Red Hood for Titans Season 3. And I put this up on Twitter. I was like, it looks like he stepped out of a comic book. I cannot wait to see how they mess this up. Uh, because I don't have faith in uh, in Titans. I love the look. It looks like he was literally ripped from the pages of a comic book, but I do not have faith in this show to do right by him. That's just me. I don't I just I don't think it's gonna happen. I don't believe that they are gonna do their best to do right by this character, just judging by these first two seasons. Uh, something I am really excited about though, Netflix announced that they are partnering up with Ubisoft to produce an Assassin's Creed live-action series. This is part of a partnership that will also include uh, animated series and anime, apparently. Uh, I'm really stoked about this. I, You know I love the Assassin's Creed franchise, and more Assassin's Creed, the merrier, I say. I'm really excited about this. We don't know anything about it, but we do know that it is a live-action series that will be coming to Netflix soon, so definitely keep an eye out for that. And then finally... Oh, man, I'm really excited about this. Uh, we got basically Marvel and Disney. We're looking at the uh, the Batwoman and Red Hood news, and they're like, how can we completely just make people forget that that happened? Oh, yeah, we can announce that Oscar Isaac is Moon Knight. So they announced that Oscar Isaac, this was dropped all over social media, uh, that Oscar Isaac is, has been tapped to play Mark Spector in the Moon Knight Disney Plus series. I'm really excited about this. I'm really looking forward to this. Oscar Isaac is an incredible actor. I'm kind of surprised that he is uh, willing to go back to Disney after what happened with Star Wars, but... I'm not going to complain about it because Oscar Isaac is amazing. Moon Knight is an amazing character, and I can't wait to see what they do to adapt this character into the uh, MCU space. So that is going to do it for this week's news. Like I said, lots and lots of news, especially on the TV front. And speaking of comic book television... It is now time for the Wild Card Weekly Review. This is the segment of our show where I review something weekly. And between the conclusion of The Boys Season 2 and the premiere of The Mandalorian Season 2, we've got two weeks of Wild Card Weekly Reviews. Last week, we tackled the premiere episode of Hellstrom, and I gave my thoughts on it. Um, it wasn't great. I didn't really enjoy it. This week, for the Wild Card Weekly Review, I am reviewing a another pilot episode for a show that I enjoyed a whole lot more, and that is Amazon Prime's Utopia. Amazon's killing it right now. Amazon is doing really well. They got the boys. They've got Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Man in the High Castle, and now they can add Utopia to their list of home runs. Uh, I gotta say, people have been trying to get me to watch this for a little while now, and I am kicking myself that I didn't dive into it sooner, because this show kicks ass. Um, I have only watched the first episode, I'm gonna let you know that right now, and I knew nothing about it going in, but I 
just fell in love with this. It was there's a lot of intrigue, a lot of thrills, a lot of tension. I'm really really into this. So let's go ahead and dive into uh, the first episode, which is entitled "Life Begins." And this the whole premise behind this is really really cool. Uh, basically, this uh, young couple goes into this house that they have just inherited, and they find all of these like. Um, pages for a comic book that never came out and that comic is called utopia and it is apparently the sequel or the conclusion to this old comic called dystopia which seemingly predicted world events like the zika virus swine flu all these kind of epidemics that came out and as we get further into this um i'm going to let you know it was really spooky um how current and relevant this show is um they put up a whole little like uh, disclaimer trigger warning at the beginning of uh, the episode. I'm assuming they do this in front of every episode. Um, but it does seem like they're like starting to like move towards like a nationwide, if not a worldwide uh, pandemic. And even though they definitely uh, made this before the uh, coronavirus outbreak, it's spooky, especially when you think about the premise of this being a comic book that predicts a pandemic. Um, it's really, it's it's kind of spooky, and I was really, um, it was a little unsettling at times, because you would like see just in the background of certain events happening, like um, news reports about, oh, growing numbers in this, and like, we have certain deaths here, and it's just, it was a little unsettling. But, um, one thing I did like about this, I mean, I liked about the whole thing, but it was really fun to kind of look from an, both an insider as well as an, a third party perspective at, uh, the comics craze, the comic convention scene. Uh, they go to, uh, some comic convention that, uh, I have been to probably at least a dozen times. <laughs> um, it was kind of funny. It was this group, this ragtag group of characters, uh, who all came together online to discuss the, I guess the conspiracy theory at this point that this comic predicts these worldwide outbreaks. And I really like our little group. I lo I really enjoy the group. I wasn't sure how I was going to feel about them at first. Uh, first off, we have Wilson Wilson. Uh, he is, I know this guy. <laughs> I know like half a dozen of these guys. Um, he is a conspiracy theorist. He lives at home with his dad. Um, he is, but he's still, he's, he's rad is what he is. He's a really fun, neurotic kind of character. I really, really dig him. Alongside him, we have Sam, who is, um, this like, I don't even know what you call them. They're like a fumigator, but she, she, I, I had to take a second to get attached to. Um, she's kind of like the brains of the operation. She's the, uh, the she's the alpha in the group, but she's also someone who just doesn't like comic books, uh, which immediately is like, hmm. She gives this whole, like, monologue about how, you know, oh, you know, someone somewhere told a lie and tricked the world into thinking comic books are literature, and come on, comic books are literature, like, please. Um, but she seemed really compelling, and I'm interested to see how she grows, because she is looking at the utopia or the dystopia comic basically as this like as almost like a prophecy deal instead of like a comic book so that was really interesting we have our our romantic our romantic um couple ian and becky who meet each other for the first time here in this episode uh ian 
I I've been Ian. I am Ian at certain points. <laughs> so that was uh, that was a little strange. But um, Becky was interesting because she's like she's the nerdy girl who also like had. You know, she likes indie comics and she's not a fan of superheroes, but she also had this weird moment where she almost had like a seizure. Um, and it seems like she has a little bit more skin in the game than the others. Cause when she goes to, uh, talk to the couple, because the couple decide, Oh, we're going to, you know, sell this to the highest bidder. Um, she's asking them specifically about like molecules and some kind of specific illness. So I think she might have an illness that she's looking to see if it is being predicted in this comic. And then finally we have Grant. Grant is a child who to uh the rest of the group because they've never met before uh posits himself as this like middle-aged photographer to the stars with tons and tons of money but he's this kid from this you know shitty home this very low income home and uh i didn't know how i was gonna feel about this kid because we've seen this we've seen this trope a hundred times before and i was hoping that it wasn't gonna be just like, oh, you know, we got to get a kid in here. But I ended up liking his uh, his contributions to the, uh, at least to the plot of the first episode. He was really interesting, uh, basically putting on this persona. He's like, I think maybe 10 to 12. Uh, but he gets to be part of a very climactic scene. And he's the one who ends the episode in possession of the uh, Utopia manuscript. So I'm interested to see where that goes. Um but the other kind of uh, big players in this were, I don't know their names, I just, I'm just i just going to call them the Hunters. They were, they're this like quirky little duo that like show up at first like on the side of the road, one of them's picking up the other to go to this comic convention, and they are charming and yet terrifying at the same time. Um, they're, they're crazy, they are in pursuit of the Utopia Papers for some reason, and they will kill anyone in their way. There's a great death montage during this episode where they're going uh, room by room to all of the people who tried to bid on the Utopia manuscript and just killing them. And there's all these really, like, inventive shots. Uh, The cinematography is off the charts for this show. I really, really dig it. And overall... um, the episode ends like in a really strong way that a pilot absolutely should. And the way that I think Hellstrom kind of, you know, faltered a little bit for me on my viewing uh, throughout the entirety of the episode, we're getting these little like backstory, like the story of dystopia is that there's this rabbit demon thing that is forcing this uh, scientist to create all of these um, terrible things. Uh, the scientist's daughter, Jessica Hyde, escapes, yet the um, rabbit creature demon thing is able to capture her father again. So the comic is basically about her and this other character named Artemis trying to get the father back. And throughout the entire episode, we keep seeing, you know, stay alive, Jessica Hyde, all this stuff all the way through, and Jessica Hyde seems to be, like, the main character. And then at the very end, after the Hunters have had their way with the young couple and their friends, um, this woman shows up. And I'm like, okay, we're introducing another player, a third party in this whole thing. And uh, she's asking, you know, one of the young couple while she's dying, she's like, where is Utopia? Where is Utopia? And she's basically saying, like, why, why? 
And uh, the woman says, because I'm Jessica Hyde. And she's grown up. The Jessica Hyde in the comic is a little girl. So I'm really intrigued by this. I I believe this is an adaptation of uh, of an indie comic. I have never read it. I am super into this, though, and I will definitely be checking out the rest of this series. So that is going to do it for the Wildcard Weekly Review. Um, it didn't start off as great as I would have liked, but we finished strong with Utopia. I, I am super into this. I think there's like eight episodes out right now. I don't know if the season's like done, but um, I'm really looking forward to watching the rest of this. So can't wait. Can't wait. Uh, next week, we are going to be diving back into your regularly scheduled weekly review with The Mandalorian Season 2. I'm really excited about this, and we will uh, check back in with that episode. But for now, let's roll on into this week's Comics Countdown. Welcome back to this week's Comics Countdown. This is the segment of our show where I talk about the comics that I think you should be picking up this week. Whether it's at your local comic book shop, on Comixology, or however you get your comics, these are the ones I think you should definitely take a look at. But before we get into this week's books, we gotta take a look back at last week's books with the Geeksplain Pick of the Week of last week. And honestly, there were a couple contenders this past week. I really enjoyed some of the comics that I picked up. And there were some really, really great stories. I was a big fan of Nightwing number 75. Of course, you knew I was going to be. Uh, Daredevil. Daredevil's been strong so far throughout the entire Chip Zdarsky run, and I've been really, really enjoying it. But the one that got me, the one that I really uh, just kind of loved from cover to cover, was Batman White Knight Presents Harley Quinn number one. This is a great story. The art by Matteo Scalera is incredible. Um, The story, let me pull this up. I'm going to... Let me give you some ASMR looking through my bag of comics. Um, It was written by Katana Collins. I'm sorry, I wanted to get that name right, though. But uh, Katana Collins wrote this, and she did such a great job. Uh, This is absolutely the same character. This is absolutely the same world. Uh, This is post-Curse of the White Knight. So if you haven't read Curse of the White Knight, uh, definitely do that before you pick this up. But it sets up a really cool murder mystery, and I'm really digging it. I'm really down for this story. I think it's, what, three issues? Um, Should be really good. I've been enjoying it, and I can't wait to see the next chapter. But that's last week's books. Let's talk about this week's books. We've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven books on the docket for you this week. We'll be talking about the book's uh, title, creative team, and synopsis. And each synopsis will be getting my synopsis voice. So uh, let's go ahead and dive into our first book on the list, which is Wonder Woman number 765, written by Mariko Tamaki with art by Steve Pugh. Um, I've made my feelings on Wonder Woman very clear, but, um, I think this is still a great, just pure superhero Wonder Woman book. It's been really good. Um, I, if for, if for nothing else, you need to pick up the Joshua Middleton, uh, variant cover for this. It is stunning. So freaking good. Uh, let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. 
The invisible jet is going down. Look out below. On a mission to the heart of supervillain-occupied Zondia, Wonder Woman is stopped dead in her tracks by a turf war that's turning deadlier by the minute. After a heated consult with the Justice League, Diana finds herself on her own with the supposedly reformed Max Lord to complete her mission. And to make things worse, each side is using Lord Industries' stolen tech to turn their forces into mind-warping super armies. Who shot down Diana's stealthy ride? The answer will make you dizzy. So yeah, I I honestly, the best part about this so far has really been the uh, Wonder Woman Maxwell Lord uh, team up. It's been really good. I've been really enjoying their dynamic and it's, it's always fun to get two like enemies kind of forced together to work together on a team. So uh, we're going to roll right on to Legion of Superheroes, number 10, written by Brian Michael Bendis with art by Ryan Sook. Uh, The last two issues, I would say, have been pretty strong. I'm looking forward to seeing what direction they take the team now. They ended it with a romance between uh, John Kent and Saturn Girl blossoming. It feels kind of forced to me, but um, I'm interested to see what they do here. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. A grudge that has endured 1,000 years. The unstoppable behemoth... No. Come on. No. Rogelzar? Are you serious? Come on. No. No. I'm... Oh, my God. I'm so done with Rogelzar. No. I'm, I'm sorry. I just... I've been really enjoying Legion of Superheroes, and I, I just, it's, it's been, ah, oh man, but I can't stand Rogelzar. Oh, mm, Rogelzar has survived the millennium to haunt Jonathan Kent, where, oh, no, uh, I don't know if I can do this one, I, I just, I'm sorry, I, I can't with Rogelzar, I just, I can't. Bendis has, I've made my, my stance on Bendis really clear, but I just, I'm not, I don't know, man, I'm, I might not, this might be the breaking point for me, just because I, Bendis kind of ran me off of Superman, and I thought that Legion of Superheroes was going to be a book that he could just, like, mess with stuff that didn't matter, or mess with stuff that he wasn't putting in any of his books, but Rogozar, man, Come on. Um, I'm just I'm just going to skip past this. I'm sorry. Because, you know, nope, I can't. I can't. I can't. So I won't. So next on the docket is uh, Batman Superman number 13, written by Joshua Williamson with artists or art by uh, Max Rayner. I've been really enjoying Batman Superman. Um, it's it's a great book. Joshua Williamson sure knows how to write the world's finest. So uh, let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. What happens when the Dark Knight and the Man of Steel wake up on a skull-shaped planetoid packed full of cybernetic versions of their entire rogues galleries? Figure out why they're being worshipped like gods, that's what. What is this strange new Brainiac's endgame? And how did Batman and Superman's own villain database mutate into this twisted metallic death planet? The mystery deepens as our heroes' allies desperately search for their missing comrades. So this sounds cool. Uh, Basically taking you know, 
um, robot versions of all their greatest foes and pitting them against them together. Uh, This sounds fun. This sounds like a fun, dumb uh, (laughs) uh, world's finest story, which I'm I'm really down for. Uh, Next up, we have Strange Academy, number four, written by Scotty Young with art by Umberto Ramos. I've been really enjoying Strange Academy. It's been fun. Um, It's exactly what you think. It's basically Marvel Hogwarts. Uh, which I am absolutely down for. I've been really looking forward to picking up each issue when it comes out. The first issue really hooked me, and every issue after that has been great. So uh, let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. Tag, you're it. The students at the Strange Academy blow off their homework for the graziest game of tag ever. Every door of Strange Academy holds a surprise. One takes you to Doctor Strange's Sanctum Sanctorum, another to Weird World, another to Asgard, and some doors' destinations are unknown even to Strange himself. The students plan on stepping through every door, and at least one of the students will bear some significant consequences of their actions. So this is exactly the kind of story that you would expect in a book like this. So I really like it. I've been really digging the uh, cast that they've been building up for this. All of them have their own little different quirks. I really love the um, uh, the little... Oh, what is it? The little Dormammu boy. Uh, He's been fun, and him kind of uh, running afoul of the Asgardian twins has been probably my favorite so far. Uh, So I really like this. This is definitely a book to pick up for sure. Next up, we have Dark Knight's Death Metal, Rise of the New God. Written by James Tynan IV and Brian Hill, with art by Nick Varela and Jesus Marino. Um, this looks bonkers. Uh, <laughs> uh, I will say uh, the tie-ins for Death Metal, I think I feel like I've been enjoying more than Death Metal itself. Um, Robin King was fine, I would say. Um, I didn't love it, but it was good. Uh, it was probably my least favorite of the tie-ins so far. Maybe after all the Death Metal is done, I'll go back and I'll kind of rank all the tie-ins and see where we go. Because I don't know if you can get much better than Speed Metal. But I'm looking forward to this. This should be interesting. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. Batman always wins. This irrevocable truth resonates to the very heart of Perpetua's battle with the Batman who laughs. And when her ally reveals his absolute nature, she will upend this mantra and destroy the last planet. His planet. But that's not enough, and the mother of all creation must wonder if power lies in destruction, why would she ever stop? But that's the thing about truth. When it turns to fact, there's no disputing its godlike reverence. And so enters the Darkest Night, featuring a backup story that spins out of the cliffhanger from Dark Knight's Death Metal Multiverse's End Number One. So this looks like it's gonna connect to that book. I enjoyed that book. Um, but I'm interested in this because they've they've been since they did the whole like Year of the Villain thing, they've been really like Perpetua is the big bad, she's the giant thing. And it feels like over the course of this story, they've kind of shunted her off to the side and she is no longer the big bad. Um, so it looks like they're finally going to square that away with this book. Whoever uh, comes out on top is who's going to be the main uh, villain for the rest of the uh, the show here at Death Metal. And I have a feeling it's going to be the person who's on the cover 
So we'll see. Uh, next up, we have Shang-Chi number two, written by Jean Lun Yang with our by DK Ruan and Philip Tan. I loved this first issue. I really, really did. And I'm excited to pick up the second issue. Shang-Chi is just such a such an interesting character and with everything going on with him and his stock kind of rising as it were uh this is a great time to jump into the character i think this the first issue really gives you everything you need to know about him and if you're interested in the character this is a great jumping on point for him so let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here the hits keep on coming. Shang-Chi may have finally met his match in the form of this strange new assailant, Sister Hammer. But who is she really? Find out in this shocking reunion. So yeah, um, if you know about uh, about Shang-Chi, if you read the first issue, you know exactly who Sister Hammer is. But um, if you don't, this is exciting, um, and even if you do, it's it's a really cool confrontation. They're setting up a lot of really interesting avenues to take with the story, so I'm looking forward to seeing what they put out here. But the big book of the week, the book I think you should absolutely be picking up, is Batman, Three Jokers, number three of three. Written by Jeff Johns with art by Jason Fabok and Brad Anderson. Uh, this is it. This is the concluding chapter in the story. I have no idea what's going to happen here. And that, I think, is something that, regardless of how you feel about the book, everyone can kind of agree on. We don't know where the story's going. We don't know what exactly um, they're planning on for this. Because they've... So the first two issues of this feel like they've uh, drip-fed us a story that could easily take place across like six issues, um, but they've condensed them into three. So I am really interested to see how they do that, how they are going to wrap everything up with a bow. Uh, maybe they don't. Maybe it's terrible. But um, I'm, I've been enjoying the, uh, the book so far, and I'm really looking forward to seeing this final chapter. So let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. The final chapter of the most terrifying and personal Batman mystery is here. Still reeling from their last encounter with the Three Jokers, Batman, Batgirl, and Red Hood discover the terrible truth about the Three Jokers plot. Will the Cape Crusaders have all the strength needed to put an end to the maniacal menace's master plan once and for all, or will it be lights out for good? You won't want to miss the stunning conclusion of Batman Three Jokers as it completes its trajectory as the ultimate examination of the Joker and his never-ending conflict with Batman. So they are going to have to do a lot to uh, live up to that ultimate examination of the Joker and Batman. Like, that's, that's, a, that's some lofty goals for one issue to accomplish. But... I've been enjoying it so far. I'm looking forward to this, and I really, um, I think, if, especially if you've been following the previous two chapters, regardless of whether you like it or not, you have to admit you have an interest in this, and I know I do for sure. So that is going to do it for this week's Comics Countdown. To recap, we have Wonder Woman number 765, Batman Superman number 13, Strange Academy number 4, Dark Knight's Death Metal Rise of the New God number 1, Shang-Chi number 2, and Batman Three Jokers number 3 of three. So now we're going to roll right on into the main course, the entree, if you will, of this week, the Geektober finale, featuring a live commentary on the Batman versus Dracula.
Welcome to the final installment of Geektober 2020. I can see this becoming a, a yearly thing. I've been liking this a lot. And there's tons of uh, Halloween, horror, spooky stuff that I, I might make this an annual tradition. But one thing that has been an annual tradition so far on the podcast, at least when it comes to Halloween, is the live commentary that I do for a specific film. The first year, we did It Chapter 1, which was terrifying and I didn't enjoy it <laughs> but I watched it for you for all for the content um, and then last year I watched uh, Batman 89 for the first time in a good long while this year we're tackling something that I think combines a little bit of both a little bit of scary stuff a little bit of Batman with the Batman versus Dracula this was uh, a 2005 film that was spun off of the Batman cartoon I don't know if you remember this I love this show um this was coming out when I was uh, when I was growing up, right before I went into. I guess this would be around middle school time. So, um, I loved this cartoon. All four seasons are some of my best memories when it comes to animated Batman. And when I heard that they were going to make this movie, I was just a little bit in shock because the make no mistake, the show itself goes into a lot of deep cut fantastical kind of stuff when it comes to batman but fighting dracula i uh i i remember watching this a while back a long time ago and loving it so this is the first time i've seen it in a while and i'm excited i'm excited i haven't seen it in forever so um for your listening pleasure we're going to get this all queued up here. I am currently on HBO Max, so if you want to sync up directly with me, you can uh, get that all set up. I've got it at zero, zero, zero of, uh, looks like an hour 23, probably shorter with credits and everything uh, taken out. I don't, I usually, I don't do credits. I might, we'll see. Um, but I'm excited about this. I'm, I'm looking forward to this. This should be a good time, so... If you need to pause this to get yourself all situated, get everything set up, feel free to do so. But I am going to go ahead and get this going. Again, I've got it on HBO Max, uh, currently at 000 of an hour and 23 and change. So let's go ahead and dive into it. I'm going to hit play in 3, 2, 1, click. Oh, that, that old school WB. I wonder how many times they've actually changed that logo. Warner Brothers Animation. Oh. I love the piano on this. The Batman. I remember really digging the, um, the, uh, the theme song for the cartoon. The cartoon was really, really cool. Um, and the, just the idea behind it, of it being kind of like a younger, like maybe year two, year three Batman, the Batman versus Dracula. It's so funny. And the animation here was real slick too. This was, this is also, I believe still in that season one, season two, before he started getting partners up. Oh, this is before they started crediting Bill Finger. Thank God they finally, uh. Finally fixed that. This is really nice. This is a really nice uh, 
moody way to start this off. I mean, Jeff Matsuda. So the whole idea behind this is that it's like it's a younger Batman, so he's more prone to mistakes. Um, Alfred is sassy Alfred, which is how he should always be. There's a lot of like uh, tech gimmicks, but the uh, the biggest I think contribution of this was that it was a total reimagining for some of his rogues gallery, which we're gonna see in this if I remember correctly. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I'm 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 really excited to see some of these old old. Uh, Old baddies again. I remember the Joker from this. One of my favorite versions of the Joker. Arkham Asylum. It's always raining at Arkham Asylum. You ever notice that? And this was like a design where Arkham is just like this brownstone in the middle of Gotham. Arkham Bingo. Is that the... I want to say that's the uh, the ventriloquist that we saw up there with the glasses. Ugh. They also, they weren't afraid to get gross in this, which I, in this show, which I really appreciated. Yeah, that's right. Penguin voiced by Tom Kenny of SpongeBob fame. Yep, seems all good here. <laughs> and they made Penguin like an actual like physical threat in this show too. He was like this little cannonball who would like flip all over the place. Also made him a ginger. Always, always a fan of more ginger comic book characters. <clears throat> the other guy. We all know who that is. <laughs> there it is. Ugh. <clears throat> a face only a only a mother could love. Yes. Loved this Joker. Love that Joker. Kevin Michael Richardson is the voice of this version of the Joker. Yeah, see this? What a champion. Like, this is a version of the Penguin that you will never see in any other media except for this. <clears throat> yeah, this was the, uh, this is the Batwave era. Look at that, Bat that is... For being in like year one or year two, maybe year three, 
Like him having like some six tiered bat cave is ridiculous. But I remember the whole bat wave thing was really like there's some kind of app or some kind of toy or something where you could like access the bat wave. And like having it near like a specific toy, like if you click the bat wave on, it'll like turn on a toy or something, something like that. Yeah, this Joker was also super athletic. It is ridiculous top hat that's taller than he is. I remember. <laughs> so bad. But perfect. But perfect for these characters. And what I really liked about this, this was post the Joker having his uh, uh, having his straitjacket phase. I like how they blended like the classic Joker uh, appearance with this version. And this version really is like a perfect amalgamation of all the great Jokers that came before him. <clears throat> and remember, this is prior to um, this is pre Ledger Joker too. Oh, that great silhouette. <laughs> Reno Romano, I think, is the voice of Batman here. And he works as like a younger Batman. He's a little bit more slimmed down. As you can see he's not like Frank Miller, gigantic Batman. He's a little bit more lean. And his cape is just ridiculously long. Like, this is the longest Batman cape we've gotten in animation, I think. So he's looking for... He's looking for a place behind a cross. Tombstone with a cross. And it's like just showing you all the crosses behind him, too. Yep. <laughs> the shout, too. <laughs> Tom Kenny was perfect casting for this version of the Penguin. And I love that even though they did try to like put him into like a more classic Joker costume, they left it so that his feet were still bare, which was another like very specific thing with him. He was very uh, monkey-like, this version of the Joker was. And that was something I enjoy. That's something we've never seen before and haven't seen since. Those messed up teeth, too. And this being a more inexperienced Batman, like the ability for them to actually have like legit physical confrontations makes a little bit more sense. Oh. Ooh, that's a nice shot too. 
that was something that this show did really well was it took their they took their time to really establish a specific vibe and a specific aesthetic because the show looks just like this like this isn't irregular to the normal um the normal show yet once it starts getting into the uh the more vampire stuff i think it goes a little bit more like this um but the first season had a really great finale with Clayface. So they weren't afraid to get like freaky and lean a little bit more into like the monster aspects. Clayface would be a fantastic, fantastic movie villain. I have always envisioned and I've wanted, I've, I'd love to pitch it at some point on the podcast doing like a Clayface and Arkham Asylum movie kind of akin to John Carpenter's The Thing. I think that could be really, really cool. There's our boy. Mr. Dracula. <laughs> oh, and there's the drop of blood. See, and I find that interesting. Oh, it went to his heart. Okay. Because I was going to say, if it just drops onto some random body part, like, that doesn't really make sense. But yeah, it drops into his heart. I'm using quotations. Ugh. The animation on this is so good. Early to mid-2000s really was peak animation. Like, you can complain all you want about, like, budgets and how much how like slick everything looks now but it can very easily come across as like polish yet nothing looking interesting this isn't quite as polished as some of the stuff you see now but this is undoubtedly more interesting just from an aesthetic and a um a visual standpoint Ugh. oh looking so good man This is a kid's show. Like, I can't stress this enough. This is a kid's show. And they're showing, it, they're showing, like, hearts and nervous systems. And this guy's trying to kill Penguin now. See, Batman's cape just, like, drags on the floor. Try to stab him. Ugh. graphic okay again kids show they just showed the joker dying via electrocution man this is great and we're not even 15 minutes in like 
Joker broke out of Arkham, fought Batman, and died within 15 minutes. <laughs> and Penguin's about to join him. Oh. Like, the way his body bends, too, is creepy looking. Smelling the blood. Ugh. Oh no. Poor random security guard. The city has not equipped you to deal with a threat like this. See this too? Talking about dead guys. <laughs> oh man. Whose voice is that? Gotta look this I gotta look this up. Couple pots do not serve. Peter St oh Peter Stormare. He did a uh, Count Vertigo on Arrow. <laughs> Stupid. He's also in Twenty Two Jump Street, Constantine, Minority Report, Bad Boys Two. Big Lebowski. He's been in a lot of stuff. Peter Stormare's real good. Ah, oh, yes. Sassy Alfred. Young boy Bruce with that hook nose. The hook nose, Bruce. Okay. That is some Castlevania looking <laughs> castle. Oof.
Unsettling. Oh, yeah. If I remember, this is the first appearance in the show of Vicky Vale. And that's Tara Strong, isn't it? Sounds like Tara Strong. Yeah, Tara Strong is Vicky Vale. I've always liked Vicky Vale. She's not like my favorite um, Batman love, but I've always been a fan of Vicky Vale. Of course, the Energy Expo at the mansion. Boom! Conflict of interest. Yeah, over the course of one night, all of a sudden, it's just a bunch of different appearances. Good call, Alfred. Sassy Alfred is voiced by Alistair Duncan. Any good... <clears throat> Whoa. Any good Alfred is a sassy Alfred. Alistair Duncan. Oh, he was also um, the Vulture in the PS4 Spider-Man game. Very, very good actor. They got together a real good... Besides just the show, the presentation, the visuals, the animation being stunning, they got a great cast together for this show and, by extension, this movie. Really, really good stuff. Well, this is going to be our rando gets bit scene. Purse taken. Uh-oh. Security... He's now a rent-a-vampire. Ugh. Ugh. 
Oh, and he couldn't make... Oh, he didn't save her. I don't remember if he saved her. Oh, my God. Guy moves quick. It's been so long since I've watched this and even longer since I've watched the show, but I don't remember if they ever, like, actually had him trip on his cave. It's distracting to me, like, watching this. Got two new buddies. And it looks like their skin's so strong that it's like tearing at the fabric of his gloves. See, like his knuckles are all torn up. Not quite fast enough. Whoop. <laughs> the Batman Eye Squint. Classic. Oh, he's looking a lot better. Of course, he just assumes that Batman is copying him. Poppycock. <laughs> Young Batman also almost always just walks around in a tank top. Wayne End. They couldn't get a, a banner that just says Wayne Industries. Or just Wayne. Who knows? <laughs> Do you think Penguin was just standing there watching the sun the entire day, waiting for it to go down? Hello, I am Sexy Dracula. so bad <laughs> look at all the people he got in just like two days he's been busy she'll stake his claim like a wooden stake Penguin always came through with the puns. I do remember that. 
always came through with the ridiculous bird puns. Having a mansion that big would give me vertigo. Like, I just, I can't imagine having a house that big. And no one noticed. No one noticed this guy just... That's amazing. I don't know why it's bothering so much. Wayne End. It shouldn't bother me, but it does. Stipes. Chill. Surfing captain. <laughs> I've worked banquets with people both like Stipes and like Alfred. <laughs> What a what a creep. What an absolute creep. Dr. Al Ucard. Cultural anthropology. He's quick. guy's ho Bruce is like holy shit does this guy know we gotta get out of here cause you're weird <laughs> Ugh. how would that not fire off some red flags Is that a Metal Gear? That's a Metal Gear. Yeah. Gross. Garlic shrimp. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's kind of something nice about a young Batman. He's still fallible. He's still kind of figuring things out. Something I hope that we get to see in, uh, in Matt Reeves' Batman movie. Him being a little bit more fallible, a little bit more prone to overconfidence, to making mistakes. He just loves sneaking up behind people. 
creep. Oh, that's really cool from his perspective. Well, that's a problem. Sir? The score on this is really nice. The string instruments used for this kind of, it's, it's chilling. Okay, he definitely dropped that entire tray. There's no way that he just picks it up and it's all intact again. I know that's not something that I should care about, but... <laughs> He's like, I'm so tired. That's the second time someone said that. Ah. You're the one that you're the one that got his attention. Ain't that just like a reporter? All right. How did he know to write it that way? Like, I get he has a hunch, but like the confidence that he had writing backwards, I guess. The king of all vampires. Dark side reference. The many bat poles that you see throughout this. I don't know if we ever see him use them ever, but they're just, they're littered throughout the cave.
the nicest looking man. It's in that face. was that you know i gotta say it's really refreshing because you you would see a lot of um comic stories like equate monsters and stuff to like oh like in deceased they're like oh they're not zombies they're part of the anti-life equation this time it's just like straight up no it's vampires Spit take. Eh. Well, and and that too, like him being a younger Batman, like he's still kind of uneasy with the GCPD. So there's just so many great stuff with a young Batman. Hearts of all Gothamites. When did they get a plasma screen TV down there? Down into this catacomb. What are they hooking it up to? Dumb. Dumb. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> it's so bad. Nice jugular. <laughs> oh, God. Penguin in this is just so good. So freaking good. See, look at all those bat poles. Got them all set up. Alfred's a pro. He just immediately just dives in. He's like, yep, got to get the garlic. Got to make sure that everything's wood. Oh. Oh, man. This is uh, prior to Gordon, too, because he doesn't show up until... I believe the end of the second season. I don't know. It's been so long since I've watched watched the show, but he's still not. He do, he doesn't have a good relationship with the GCPD just yet. Oh, that's great. It's like, well, this isn't fun. <laughs> 
And these kind of scenes where it's like Batman versus the GCPD are always fun to watch. Straight through the window. like what and I love just the um oh that's so cool and his cloak's just as long as Batman's cape is And he wasn't, like, standing like that initially, so he know he was just like, oh, I gotta pull my cape and uh, look just like him. <laughs> it just looks... It's amazing. That sequence is really cool, too, because it's just, like, him just, like, picking off the people... I got garlic. Come at me, bro. Batman is just not equipped for this. Oof. Well, we now know where Zack Snyder got that one push from Batman v Superman. even something as simple i love this the silhouettes god that's so cool oh yeah you can't man i'm sorry it is just not gonna happen oh 
Yikes. That is unsettling. <laughs> My God. Held out just long enough. Oof. Nice. Oh, boy. Hey, he used the bad pole. It's such a tall house. <laughs> The Cloaked Rider, because you can't use Zoro. <laughs> That's a cool shot. Oof. I'm going to have to rewatch this show now. Like. <laughs> I'm getting all kinds of nostalgia feels from this. Oh. <laughs> the son of Dracula. And then we've got our <laughs> got our penguin. There he goes to stand out there and stare at the sun until it goes down. <laughs> He's not dead.
Uh-oh. And the sun goes down. This is going to end badly for someone. Just steps on over him. <laughs> Hello. Whoop. <laughs> it's so bad. Tom Kenny is an absolute legend, not just because of his performances, but just what he brings to each character. There's a through line on how Tom Kenny breathes life in every character he voices, and it's absolutely here. Ugh. <laughs> That is ripped straight out of a blade movie. <laughs> dun dun dun. And we are a far cry away from Morbius and Spider Man the Animated Series going, I crave. Plasma. <laughs> nice. Vampire Joker was the best choice they could have made in this film. Especially with this version of the Joker, because Keith Michael Richardson just gets to play even more than he usually does. Ugh. Ugh. That is unsettling. Ugh. Nope, don't like that. I don't know how you could show this to a kid. I think, how old was I? It was 2005. So I was 13 when this came out. And that's okay. Yeah, Joker was already a physical threat, and now that he's got the vampire upgrade. Ooh. The animation is so smooth. I love this. He's just doubting blood as we go.
Did you hear that weird cougar sound? Oh. What a visual. Got him with the garlic bombs. Oh boy. Somebody's not having a good time. Dun, dun, dun. See, and it's sad because I, I think I would have liked to see other villains get the vampire treatment. Bane, for one, could have been really cool. Um, I think the Riddler from this show is like a perfect match for that because uh, the Riddler in the show is a very gothic, um, gothic inspired. Uh, I said Bane, Poison Ivy. I know she doesn't come until later, but that would have been cool. Because this show did a really great job at really focusing in on the rogues gallery. I would say almost as good as the original animated series. They did a lot of different takes on different villains. Um, very memorable takes, too. Oh, you see now everybody's like, oh, sun's down, so I gotta lock up. Creepy. Whoop. And Batman is just working away while the city gets turned. Metal Gear? But yeah, th th this is... This is the kind of stuff I like seeing with Batman, him diving into like his detective work, kind of his science background, seeing him work out a problem and test it without having to just punch it in the face, which he does plenty of in the show. But I do like that aspect. He's missing something. Oh, this poor rando. What were you doing? Out like this, running into an alleyway. Ooh. Turning the entire city almost. 
Gross. Carmilla. Subtle burn? Subtle burn from Alfred? Gotta deal with this now. <laughs> he hug a wreath, a garlic wreath. That's amazing. <laughs> I have to look up and see if, uh, if Vicky should, because I, I think this is the one time that Vicky Vale actually shows up for the Batman. Let's see here. Eh. Don't lie, Alfred. You haven't even made dinner. see here doesn't even talk about it though I guess it is better than uh, than the animated series which replaced her outright with Summer Gleason because I know she appears a couple times in Brave and the Bold Some of the sound design on this just unsettling. Yeah, I don't think she popped up again after this film.
Oh, it works. Yeah, she just shows up in just this this film, and then she's never never appears again. He's like, but hey, I got this. Isn't that great? I did it. <laughs> Just sounds gross. Well, and the colors brought back. He's cured. <laughs> Got him. Got him. So he knows it works. Dracula. Nice. Magic bullet. I don't know how they just let her go at night with all of the vampire stuff going on. How did they let that happen? You guys know better. That's also <laughs> It's a good early substitute for like the bat signal. Two thousand five, those flip phones.
Oh, she gone. Creep. <laughs> Alfred is immediately on board. I also dig that Batmobile design. It's it's definitely not as iconic as like the Batman the animated series Batmobile, but it's it's still got it's still got some character for sure. We've got that classic Damsel in the stress going to be turned into the bride of Dracula. like you could have gotten anyone i don't know what makes vicky vale so special in this in this instance must have been real deep to be there for a couple days or i don't know how long because we did have that montage of him testing Gross. Batman with his big old cape. At some point, I'll have to look at 
kind of Batman in animation. We did a like a Batman film retrospective with uh, with Matt Draper. Uh, but I I'll have to go back and do like a retrospective on like the animated series featuring him because there are more than a couple. Obviously, because it's Batman, he has to have like hundreds. But um, I would be interested in kind of like comparing and contrasting all the various series. Because I would say even though I love Batman the Animated Series from the 90s, this is probably a really close second for me. Based on nostalgia and aesthetic. Because it had a very, just like the Animated Series did, it had a very distinct style. Batman versus the Vampire Horde. Kind of wish they had stuck with a one shot for a second. They held on it. It was like one shot for like maybe five, ten seconds, but he's just ripping through them. Arguably, if they were looking for just like life, they could have gotten this little girl. Classic. Batman taking people out one by one. Just the animation. I can't stress this enough. So smooth and fluid and really just really nice to look at. In an age when every... Every animated show looks like Rick and Morty or or Star Trek Lower Decks. Like I like animation style like this. Because even though this is PG, it's like having this is like, it's a very distinct style. So Carmilla is almost reborn. And Vicky's going to be a goner very soon. Batman's like, hey. He's like, oh, I dare. Oh. already worked on him once we know this Ugh. Poor gross Vicky. There are a couple characters I wish we had gotten to see in this. Uh, Rachel Ghoul, Hush. Um, but for the most part, they they took their time to really like get you to care about all the villains that they did show off. Like I said, those Clayface episodes were so good. Joker, of course, got a lot of play. Penguin. Um, 
Riddler, like I said, really, really good stuff. Batman's like, no, you. My bride. My brand. Look at me with your special eyes. Hey. I shall have your blood. Batman's got nothing. Is he like purring? <laughs> Tom Kenny's so good at what he does. All right, Batman versus Dracula round two. Batman is ill-equipped, just like last time. Ooh. Oh, the cape does work against him. Send out that bat wave. Such an early two thousands gimmick too. Right, he's gotta lead him there. So you mean to tell me he's strong enough to just cut through rocks? Oh, man. Batman is not having a fun time. Just picture him doing that, like, Chris Pine Spider-Man thing from Mid of the Spider-Verse, where he's just like, I am so tired. Ooh, got him! Right in the little penguins. I think when it came to like music and score, this was this definitely took influences from uh, Batman Beyond's stuff. Because even though that was a lot more cyberpunk, some of the like more unsettling tunes, I think, definitely had an influence on this. Got him. You made yourself some handy stairs, too. <laughs> I 
is not happy. It's like I made it to a bad pole. That's the goal. Yep. Kate beats Cloak every time. Ooh. They brought the fight inside. And Batman loses round two. But round three is for all the marbles. Not the car. See, when Dracula chases you, it's like, it's terrifying. When Penguin chases you, it's just gross. Ugh. I do not like that at all. <laughs> just this gross little man chasing after you. It's not as gross as DeVito Penguin. Because he is legitimately the worst. Oh! But this penguin doesn't care about that. He just wants the lady. Oh, he got him! He got him with the bite this! Alfred's a champion. Alfred is so good. He always comes in at the last minute. Or not. Okay, if that had worked, that would have been... There is no curing me. Take the bat pole! Go! I zoom. <laughs> Metal Gear. Got him. Oof. Do it. 
Got him! I don't think you needed the and your dust line. You just go, I'm Batman, and you fly up. But still. Oof. Superhero landing straight through Dracula. How many other superheroes can say that? Many superheroes do a superhero landing. Only Batman does one through someone. (laughs) Alfred's the best, man. Alfred's so good at what he does. Yep, Penguin found it. (laughs) All's well that ends well for Oswald Cobblepot. They just decide. <laughs> it was. <laughs> oh, man. And no one's ever going to believe him. Does she know? Did she figure it out? Who knows? And you gotta finish it with Batman swinging through the city. Always there. Always watching. And that's it. That is the Batman versus Dracula. Man, it has been so long since I've seen this, but I just, I fell in love with it all over again. Like the the vibe, the acting, just the designs, like everything about this was so, so cool. Um, Kevin Michael Richardson as the Joker is incredible. I want more of him. Tom Kenny's gross penguin. <laughs> Um, they really, you can tell that they really put the time into making this as good as possible. Um, I think it was, I want to say Brown Table on YouTube did an incredible video just kind of talking about why the Batman as a cartoon is one of those hidden gems that people don't talk about enough. Uh, if you want more information about the show, definitely check that out. And if you'd like me to do an episode on this, I would happily do an episode just on the batman maybe talking about some of my favorite episodes maybe talking about the show itself because they did a lot with this you know the first two seasons were very much you know batman on his own 
uh, season three and four were kind of bringing him into the wider world, introducing Batgirl, Robin, the Justice League. There's a great uh, Batman Superman story in maybe it was five seasons. I don't know. But in the last season, there's this great Batman Superman uh, two-parter that's really, really good. So I wouldn't mind diving back into this world again. I really enjoyed it. And uh, I hope you enjoyed going with me through this adventure into into gothic horror where Batman fights the literal Batman. Um, This has been great. I mean, Geektober has been such a fun time. I've been really enjoying it. I hope you have too. I can't wait to do this again next year. Um, And that is going to do it for Geektober. Um, I'm really just, I'm over the moon about this. I've had a great time. Uh, Geektober, I would say, has been one of my more successful series. And I enjoy doing series like this. It really is a fun time getting to kind of prep for things and go through and do a whole entire like um, grouping of topics. I'm, I'm always I'm always a fan of doing that. So um, if you like what we do here at the Geeksplain podcast, feel free to uh, subscribe on the podcasting platform of your choice really would help me out. Also, if you could Give us a rating and review. Five-star ratings and reviews are read right here on the podcast as well. Uh, you can join the likes of Seafire ND, Josh from Panels to Pixels, and Matt Draper. So salutations to those three gentlemen, the three musketeers, as they are right now. But I would love to add a fourth, fifth, sixth, as many more musketeers. More musketeers, the better. So um, I hope that you all have a wonderful and safe Halloween. Um, you can also follow us. I forgot. You can also follow us on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Pod. That's at Pod. Uh, If you want to keep up to date with us, uh, participate in polls. This episode is the direct uh, result of a poll that was put up on our Twitter to decide what our Halloween live commentary was going to be for this year so feel free to do that to keep up with us uh the last poll we did also decided our next edition of pitch it which will be the iron fist animated series in just a couple weeks for episode 135 so next week is november next week we are already nearing the end of this year thank god i'm so ready to be done with 2020 um i have to say also as just a quick aside vote i'm not gonna go super into it but vote Vote early, vote if you can, um, just do it. But next week, we are going to be diving into a topic that I'm very excited about, uh, Future State. DC Future State has been kind of ruling the uh, the comic space when it comes to news for a little bit. And uh, next week, I'm going to be breaking it all down. It's going to be a full-on Future State guidebook featuring the return of Malcolm Joshua Russell Nelson from the On the Subject podcast. We're going to break down every single book and what you can expect for the uh, event that's coming in January and February. And I can't wait to talk about some of these books. It's going to be a great time. So tune in next week for that same geek time, same geek channel. But for now, for Geek This is Eric Azana. Thank you very much for listening. Stay safe, stay spooky, happy Halloween, and we will see you next time. On 
Everyone hail to the pumpkin song. Yeah! 